Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Julian Sedotti. Thanks for being on the show, Julian. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, Whitney. And a lot of the listeners have probably heard of Julian before, and you should have, because she's one of the leading syndication attorneys in the country. And as she's speaking at many events, she is educating lots of people about their proper ways, legal ways of doing this business and doing it correctly. And today we are getting into a topic that is so hot right now. And her and I were just discussing it and she was confirming what I already thought, that everybody wants to know about paying people to raise capital. And I hope my mic doesn't catch on fire by me saying that, right? So, you know, I appreciate, you know, the listeners being with us today. And Julian, you know, give them a little more about your background in case they don't know who you are and what you're doing. And then let's get into how we pay capital raisers and can we and what should that look like? And maybe some other things that are happening to people who are trying to do that. Yeah. So I actually started off in real estate myself before I was practicing law. I never really wanted to be a lawyer, actually. And I wanted to get into real estate investing when I was in law school. So I started off actually looking for money and for our deals that we were doing. We were doing condo conversions in San Diego back before the last downturn. And I would arrange both the debt and the equity financing. So I do know what it takes or what is required and how hard it is to raise capital. It's not lost on me on how difficult it can be or, you know, not just from a perspective of it's difficult from the perspective of law. It's difficult from the perspective of marketing and things like that. So I'm really sensitive to that or at least try to be sensitive to that. But I'm also really vicious when it comes to following the law and I'm vicious not because I am really into the law and think the government's awesome. It's because I don't want you, the listener who's thinking about syndicating something, to get yourself wrapped up in a situation where it costs you more in legal fees than money you ever made. That, to me, is the most tragic thing that can happen, plus the loss of sleep and the extra wrinkles and gray hairs you will get if you are indeed investigated by one of these governmental agencies for violating a securities law. So that's why I'm so vicious about it. Yeah. And can you give the listeners a little about your business right now? I mean, obviously, you know, we know you're a syndication attorney, but maybe a little bit about the type of clients you have and work with. And, you know, is that certain part of the country? Is that anywhere? And just what you all are up to? Yeah. So our clients are like really vary. I'll take the first guy doing his first single family flip and looking, you know, to pool a couple of his family members money. I'll take that guy. If they seem like they know what they're doing and they have good intentions and they're looking to do it the right way, I'll be happy to help that person. But then I also have clients like my biggest client probably right now is a guy named Grant Cardone, who I think probably a lot of your listeners know who he is. He wrote the book 10X. And he's a big real estate investor and he does class A multifamily buildings, mostly in the Southeast. So it really varies on the type of client that I have. And I like both types of clients. I personally learn from both types of clients. But I'll tell you, if somebody is looking to skirt the law or I feel is not that educated on what it is they're trying to accomplish, I will not take that type. I won't take the client. It's not worth the risk for me. It's not worth 
worrying about if investors out there are being exposed. So if you don't have the education that I believe is required, and no, I'm not the end-all be-all of determining who has the right education, but if you're asking questions that you shouldn't be asking when raising private capital, I will send you to my website or I'll send you articles or put you in another direction before we start going out and trying to help you raise capital because it's not good if you don't know what you're doing. Just like I tell people, don't take investors who don't know what they're doing. I'm not going to take you as a client if you don't know what you're doing. Great advice. Great advice right there. And like, you know, you mentioned you're not going to just take everyone, but you know, you're going to judge their education in the business to know that they know how to operate to, at a professional level and legal level, right. you know, before you're going to take them on. So, so you don't expose yourself. Yeah. And it's not just about exposing myself. It's exposing investors, you know, as right. well. I, I'm very mindful of the guy who believed in you to invest $30,000 or whatever it might be. You know, one of my aunts, my favorite aunt, I, I'll just say that. <laughs> I don't think any of my aunts watch the show. But <laughs> <laughs> they should be. <laughs> you know, she asked me a couple of years ago, can you help me get into a real estate deal? And I knew she was super risk averse. And so I found a deal for her and I got her in that deal. And it was with somebody I really trusted and I knew would take it, be a good steward of her money. And I always think of my aunt when I'm thinking about when people are going out and raising capital and would I want my aunt to invest with you? And if I think no, and I can't always stop it. Sometimes, you know, we get in, in it to win it and it's just too late. And I can only hope and pray for the best and keep my fingers crossed. Again, I'm not the end all be all judge. I have been wrong before. <laughs> but I think about my aunt and I think, would I want my aunt investing with this person? Do I trust that? So that's what it comes down to. I like that. So, you know, to get into today's topic, and I know it's such a hot topic right now, I hear it often. And, you know, Julia, and you're an expert on helping us understand this. You know, how do we pay people to raise capital for us? You know, so we're doing a deal and we want, you know, other people want to partner and bring in their investors. And what does that look like, Julian? And let's, you know, so we know how, that we're doing it legally if we can do it. You know, I want your opinion and you to help the listeners and, you know, us just to understand that. So what I'm seeing a lot that is this thing where somebody will say something like, I'll pay you a commission for helping me raise capital. And the thing is, the analogy I always use is that you can't pay somebody a commission for selling real estate if that person doesn't have a real estate license. And so it, the same goes for securities. And by the way, a real estate license isn't going to cut it. You need more than a real estate license to sell securities. You need what's called a securities license. So this is all defined in the Act of the Securities Exchange Act of 1934, defines a broker as any person engaged in the business of perfecting transactions and securities for the account of others, and defines a dealer as any person engaged in the business of buying and selling its securities for his own account through a broker or otherwise. And what you have to do is a security sold in a transaction that is exempt from the Securities Act of 1933. So for your listeners who don't know, an exempt transaction under the Securities Act would be something like under Regulation D. So your Rule 506 offerings, Rule 506B or C, or a Regulation A offering. Those are exempt transactions. And if you're selling those securities 
under those exemptions, what the law says, a person who sells securities that are exempt from registration under Regulation D of the 1933 Act must nevertheless register as a broker-dealer. In other words, placement agents are not exempt from broker-dealer registration. So if you're going out there and paying people a commission to sell your securities, you better make sure that they are absolutely licensed with a Series 7 or a Series 22 or something of the like in order to be legally receiving a commission. And I see it all the time where people are paying these commissions for people to sell securities. Or one trick that I love is that they will call it something else. And it's like kind of one of my favorite sayings is if you have a dog and you call the tail a leg, how many legs does the dog have for just because you call the tail a leg doesn't make it so. So that's how I feel about it when somebody says like, oh, it's not a commission, it's a finder's fee or it's you know a performance fee or whatever they call it. If you're paying somebody based on the capital that they raise, then that is a commission. And you're, they're illegally selling securities if they do not have a license. So you gotta really be careful because SEC is like strangely vicious about this right now even if you haven't done anything wrong, if they catch you selling securities without a license, they are going to come after you and they're going for a money grab. And most of the people I find who are in this position are what we consider low-hanging fruit. They don't have a lot of money to pay a big-time attorney to defend them. And so it's just easier to pay the fine because they're going to end up paying the fine anyhow, no matter right. what their is. So you mentioned like, you know, securities license and registering as a broker-dealer and you know, some of those things, you know, who needs that securities license? Is that going to be the operator or is it actually, you know, the person that's raising the capital under them? What does that look like? Yeah, I don't want to get too lousy, I guess, on people, but sure. it deserves a lot. It deserves discussion. So, for example, under this rule called 3A41, it's rule 3A41, there's, it's called an issuer exemption. So, if you're the sponsor, if you're the guy offering the securities and you don't pay yourself a commission and you're selling your own securities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, then you have an exemption from registration as a broker-dealer. You don't have to have a license if you're selling your own securities and you're not receiving a commission for selling those securities. It's the person who's selling the securities and receiving the commission that needs the license. And I think like the problem is, is like a lot of times people hear that you can pay a finder's fee and we can get into that and talk about what a finder's fee looks like and how much you can pay in terms of a finder's fee. But what it really comes down to is that finder's fee tied to the amount of capital raised. If it is, it's commission. And if they're getting paid a commission, that person who's selling and receiving the commission has to be licensed. Okay. No, that's awesome. I mean, a great explanation. And, you know, so how do I get licensed? Is that even an option or is that something you've seen anybody pursue, you know, to have a securities license or, you know, and register as a broker dealer? I've had a couple of clients in like some limited circumstances, especially when there's general solicitation around when they really want to reward people who are, you know, raising capital. I've had a couple of people go and get that license for sure. A securities um, license? Yeah, a securities license. But most people don't. And the reason why is because you're entering into this whole, going out and getting that license is no A, easy feat, and B, no easy feat or comfortable feat to keep. Brokers are highly, highly regulated. FINRA, who's the organization that like 
monitors, brokers, they can come into your office at any time and just look around, see what's doing, you know, make sure everything's on the up and up. And I find, you know, a lot of times if you're just raising small amount of capital, that license is not worth it. So you got to find a different way. You just got to find a different way. Become part of the issuer. There's all kinds of different ways you can do this without risking or taking these unreasonable risks. And they're unreasonable risks. I assure you they're unreasonable risks. Well, let's talk about that. You know, the right way, you know, to bring those people on or the right way to do this. Because I know it's, you know, every listener is probably wondering about this. So, you know, what is the right way? What is the right way to pursue this? You know, as the operator and as somebody that wants to partner with an operator. Yeah, if you want to partner with an operator, then you should become part of the operator and take from the back end. So instead of taking a commission on the front end, you can take equity on the back end and get paid after the investors get paid back so that you are closely tied with the success of the investor, number one. Number two, have an ongoing relationship. A big no-no for the SEC is seeing these people who come in and they sell the security and then they take their cash and their CEO wouldn't want to be you to the investor. That's a huge problem. You have to be in it to win it along with the, I, I don't know how many little phrases I'm going to use today, but I think it's going to be a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to be in it to the very end. That's what you want to do. You want to be, your interests should be aligned with your investor. One thing I've seen that I kind of like is a finder, if you will, or somebody who's out there capital raising that, you know, is a fund of funds. Those are okay if they are properly put together. So I'm actually invested in a fund of funds. What happens is that our finder, if you will, our sponsor found another sponsor, a bigger sponsor. And the bigger sponsor was doing this really big deal and needed, you know, a lot of capital. So our sponsor went to that guy and said, hey, I'm going to bring in all these investors and here's what you're going to do. And he negotiated a better deal for us, the investors, and also said to the issuer, the top sponsor, you're going to pay me a fee for putting this whole thing together. And it wasn't related to how much money was raised. It was literally a flat fee. I'm getting this cash. We were told as investors, I'm getting this cash and I'm going to continue to take care of you, my investors. I'm going to be your advocate. So there was more to it than just raising capital. There was a sense of advocacy involved. There was no commission. We got a better deal that he had negotiated for us. And then he had received a part of like a management fee for continuing to take care of us as the investors and to monitor the investment opportunity. So that's one way. That's one really clean, easy way. You have to have the right paperwork as a finder in that case. So when I invested in that deal, I didn't get just one private placement memorandum. I got two. I got one from the original sponsor that was an exhibit to the private placement memorandum that I read, which was from my sponsor. So that is one really clean, above board way of doing it where no one's receiving a commission. The sponsor's still getting paid. We're still getting taken care of. All the laws are being followed, that kind of thing. And that was a separate fund? Yeah. So the fund I invested in was a fund that was just investing in another fund. Okay. So can they take that fund and invest in other deals as well now? Or is this strictly just for this one property? That particular one was just for that. It wasn't for a property. It was for another fund. But that particular one was just for that fund. But yes. 
And I do represent clients who do that. As a matter of fact, I have a regulation A right now that is, I should be submitting any day now to the SEC, which is going to basically be a fund of funds where my client keeps getting people coming to him with development deals. And so here's what he's doing. He wants to get in on all these development deals, but he doesn't want to develop the properties himself because they have expert developers in the markets where they are that can do all the development. So he's joint venturing with those developers. He's going to manage all the investment and the developer will manage all the development. They'll joint venture together and divide and conquer it that way. So both are, my client is going to really be in it for the long haul the investors will know straight up front, we're not actually developing the project. We have somebody else we're joint venturing with. It's their project. They're going to develop the project, but we are going to take an equity interest in that deal. And they're handling all investor relations. And I mean, that's their part of the deal. Correct. And then they are getting paid a fee for managing that. They're not getting a fee for raising capital. They're getting a fee for ongoing management. Okay. And so just to clarify as well, because I feel like most of the listeners are going to be in the boat of, I'm trying to get started, you know, and you hear most people getting started raising capital for other people's deals. And, you know, just to reiterate, you know, the proper way. So they know if they're going to an operator that they know that this is done properly or, you know, they're going to be part of the deal. They're not going to be paid I know, by what they raise, but they're going to get something on the back end. You know, any other ways that we can reiterate that before we run out of time? Okay, so another thing is to, like, if you don't want to stay in the deal, uh, one other thing you can do, this is my least favorite way of doing this, to be honest, but I'll mention it nonetheless, is you can take a finder's fee. But that finder's fee has to be a mere introduction. So you're not actively selling. You're just saying to an investor, hey, this guy over here who has this deal, if you're interested, I'll make an introduction for you. So that's a mere introduction. And then what does the finder get paid? A flat fee. It doesn't matter how much investor invests. It's just a flat fee. That's what the finder receives. And then they can be on their way. And what I like, I like in this too, is uh, if you get something in the mail from Verizon, Verizon says, if you refer a friend to us for cable services, we'll give you 50 bucks off your bill. Same thing. You're not going to call up your friend and say, hey, would you like to get Verizon services, I'll come and install the cable for you and then you go over and install the cable or sign them up for service. You merely give them a little code and they call Verizon themselves. It's the same concept. So if you can employ a concept like that, that would be helpful as well. Again, my least favorite way, I like to see people who, if they're bringing investors in, they're responsible for those investors, period. Yes, I've seen that done, you know, obviously numerous times where if somebody is raising, they're partnering on a deal, it's their investors, they're doing all the communications with the investors, you know, those are their investors. And so that's now we're treading a little more lightly. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. And here, and I'll just read this. There's, I have a ton of cases here in front of me right now, but this is what I'll end with. Smith, oh, I hate using names because I feel like they've already, but I did it already. Smith was an insurance and retirement planner who assisted in the sale of notes for an issuer. How many people out there are selling notes on their single family properties, right? Assisting the sale of notes for an issuer. According to the facts recited in the settled SEC order, which he neither admitted nor denied, Smith identified investors, solicited them in face-to-face meetings and phone calls and emails, advised as to the merits of the investment, and handled the mechanics of the investments, including rooting funds to the issuer. He received transaction-based compensation in the form of commissions of a percentage of the amounts invested. As a result, Smith received a cease and desist order 
various bars from future association service or participation and was required to pay full disgorgement of his commissions received plus prejudgment interest. So in other words, now this guy has probably paid an attorney to defend him in this action. He received a cease and desist, various bars. He had to pay full disgorgement. So anybody he did receive went back to the SEC plus interest on that money. Now get this. His financial condition rendered him unable to pay a civil monetary penalty. So in other words, had he had enough money, he would have also had to pay a civil monetary penalty. This is very typical. This is not a special case. This is very typical. And did this guy do anything criminal? But he broke the law nonetheless. And so now he is subject to having problems with not just financial problems and paying the money back, but now he is barred from doing certain things. I don't know what the bar was. I don't know how long it was for, but now he can't, you know, appear probably before the SEC. He can't be licensed as a broker dealer. Not that he really wanted to be, but that stinks. Awful. That does stink. No (laughs) doubt about it. That would be a bad spot to be in. You know, Julian, what has been the number one thing that's contributed to your success? You know, I have to say there's a book. I'm just thinking, I don't know why this came to mind first, but there's a book called by Dale Carnegie called How to Win Friends and Influence People. And the principle of the book, if you've never read it, is really about being kind. And so I try to just always use that. And I'll tell you what's paid off in spades. I don't ever really focus on the fact that I'm a female in a very male-dominated industry, but that is a fact, a female in a male-dominated industry. And it's never bothered me because no matter how nasty somebody gets with me, I try to kill them with kindness and it's always worked out for me. <laughs> so That's awesome. That's great advice right there. And you know, and somebody that's getting started in this business, and now you talked about you want them to have a certain level of education before they're, you know, going to be able to work with somebody like yourself. Yeah. What's the best way you recommend them to really be educated about this business, you know, to be able to work with somebody like yourself? Yeah. And by the way, I want to say anybody who calls me, I sounded really harsh. Like I reject people constantly sending them to my website. I'm banishing you because you're not educated enough. It's not that. It's I want you to know what you're doing before you do it. Let's get you knowing what to do. So you can go to our website. Actually, you can probably see right behind me. I have my partner's book, Gene Trowbridge's. It's a whole new business. The best book on real estate syndication. It's how I learned how to do real estate syndication. Absolutely. I didn't even know the world of real estate syndication existed before I read that book. So I'd read that book. And then I have a book back there, Crowdfunding Myth. I'm updating it now. It's a little out of date, but some of the rules need to be updated in there. And our website, if you don't want to pay money, that's okay. Go to our website, crowdfundinglawyers.net. Tons of free stuff there. I also run a webinar series called Private Money Rockstar. So you can check out myrockstar.com too. I just did a bunch of shameless plugs for myself on. No, it's fine. I was going to ask you anyway. And it's great. You know, the webinars y'all do, very useful. I wish I could be on more of them myself. I mean, I do. Oh, awesome. uh, well, I'd love to have you on one of them. So yeah. we'll have to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, well, I just mean, I just to listen. I mean, I learn a lot from you and Gene. And, you know, I've enjoyed getting to know Gene a little bit as well. I've got his book on my bookshelf as well. <laughs> so what's something you're excited about in the near future for your all's business or personally, either one? Gosh, I feel like I'm such a doomsday right now. I'm excited for the next downturn, which will probably be here in about two years. 
Because <laughs> I'm just squirreling away my money. I'm hoarding cash right now because I did not have cash for the last downturn. I did have some cash. I bought some deals. I did very well. You know, very grateful for that. But I do believe it's going to happen again. And I want to be ready for it. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited for the future of being able to take advantage of that. Now, I'm not excited for what it might do for others. That's, that does have me a little twitchy. But I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for a new wave of wealth and wealth generation for a lot of people out there. So if you're mindful, saving your pennies or investing wisely right now so that you have the cash available for the next downturn, I think you'll be in good shape. And how do you like to give back? I'm very charitable. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm super excited to answer this question. So one thing I love doing for my time element of giving away, every Thursday morning, I go to the local food pantry and I cook breakfast for the volunteers. So they have somebody come in and cook every time, every morning. We're only open on Wednesdays and Thursdays. So Thursday's my day. I go in, I cook for all the volunteers. So I cook some kind of meal. It's served at breakfast time, but I don't always serve breakfast. Some kind of meal for about 40 people every Thursday. That's what I do on for my time elements of it. And sometimes I also deliver groceries to the elderly. And then I actually, a co-founder of a anti-human trafficking organization called Project Purpose International. We just bought a car. So we're super excited about that. It's a car in Africa (laughs) to help pull people off the street in trafficking or situations. I mean, trafficking is a problem, as we know, everywhere. It's a massive problem in Africa. And so we have a woman who literally runs a center down there for women and children to get them out of trafficking situations. And we're small but mighty. And its biggest benefactor is me. So, so that kind of gives you an idea of how small, how small we really are. No, that's awesome. It is a very big need. I've learned a little bit about the human trafficking problem. And yeah, it's a major problem. It's yeah. really sad, very sad. So thank you for doing that. And you know, how can the listeners get in touch with you? Oh, you can email me at Jillian at crowdfundinglawyers.net. I'd love to hear from all of you. So visit our website, like I said before, but also visit us on Facebook because we do a lot of like Facebook lives and pushing out videos and articles on there as well. Awesome. Jillian, you've been a great guest. I really appreciate you covering this topic that a lot of people try to stay away from. Yeah, they do. I appreciate you being willing to dive in. And I know a lot of listeners appreciate it as well. Appreciate the listeners being here today and every day. And we will talk to each of you tomorrow. Before that, I hope you will leave us a rating and review. I hope you'll go to the Facebook group, The Real Estate Syndication Show, and also go to LifeBridge Capital and connect with me. Happy to help you any way I can. We'll talk to each of you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to The Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.